This is Dina Weiss for Hadar on Parashat Bemidbar, Heavenly Hosts. Although Bnei Israel have been in the wilderness since leaving Egypt, the construction of the Mishkan marks a turning point in their way of, leave, in their way of living there. Parashat Bemidbar maps out the concentric encampment around the Mishkan, as opposed to the somewhat haphazard configuration of tents that preceded it. God's presence in the center of the camp becomes a kind of anchor, providing a sense of stability and protection to his people, who were homeless and wandering. God provides for his people when they cannot provide for themselves. The way that God supports his people throughout the journey to their own home and homeland provides an important template for what it means to do haknasat orchim, to provide for the needs of others while they are vulnerable, when they need your home, to be theirs. The Midrash enumerates how God took care of Bnei Israel's physical needs in the desert. God spoke to Moshe in the Sinai wilderness. This is as the verse said, This generation, you have seen the word of God. Have I been like a desert to Israel or a land of darkness? The Holy Blessed One said to Israel, Regarding what you said to Moshe, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die in the desert? I respond, Have I been like a desert to Israel? Have I treated you like a desert? In the way of the world, when a human king goes out into the wilderness, will he find tranquility of the sort that he had in his own palace, as well as food and drink? And you were slaves in Egypt. But when I took you out of there, I had you recline like princes. As it says, God brought the people around Vayasev by way of the desert. What is Vayasev? It comes to teach that God had them recline like princes at feasts, misubin, who recline on their couches. And I even set up for you three redeemers who would serve you, 
as it says, I sent before you Moshe, Aharon, and Miriam. In Moshe's merit, you ate the man. As it says, he oppressed and starved you, and he gave you the man. In the merit of Aharon, I enclosed you with the clouds of glory. As it says, and God was walking before them in a pillar of cloud to show them the way. And it says, he spread a cloud like a screen. There were seven clouds above, below, in the four cardinal directions, and one that went before them, striking snakes and scorpions on their behalf, leveling the peaks and the valleys, burning the thorns and brambles, and sending up smoke. And it is written, Your garment that was upon you was not worn down. And even a baby, as he was growing, his clothing and garments would grow with him. And the well was in the merit of Miriam, who sang at the sea. In the desert, God provided for the basic needs of Bnei Israel, as opposed to abandoning them like a desert, by not relating to them in any way. Not only did God provide for and not ignore them, he was also sensitive, attentive to all of their needs, and even surpassed them. In addition to making sure that his people were fed and protected, God made sure that they were comfortable, treated almost like kings. God wanted to ensure that they would enjoy being his guests and would not feel the precariousness of their situation. The Midrash highlights the irony that God is the one who is accommodating human beings by using the imagery of Melech Basar Vadan, a human king of flesh and blood. Usually when the Midrash compares someone to a king, they are comparing God, our king, the king of kings, to his earthly counterpart. However, in this Midrash, we, Bene Yisrael, ragged and worn as we are, are the kings and princes. This approach of treating every guest like a prince is valorized by God in another midrash, where Avraham's superior hospitality is contrasted with that of Eov. when the great suffering came upon Eov, he said before the Holy Blessed One, Master of the Universe, didn't I feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty? Nevertheless, the Holy Blessed One said to him, Eov, you haven't gotten to half of the measure of Avraham. You sit and wait inside your house and the guests come into you. A person who is accustomed to eating fine white bread, you feed wheat bread. A person who is accustomed to eating fine wheat bread, you feed wheat bread. One who is accustomed to meat, you feed meat. And one who is accustomed to drink wine, you give wine. But Avram did not behave thus. Rather, he would go out and walk back and forth throughout the world. And when he would find guests, he would bring them into his house. Even one who was not accustomed to eating wheat bread, 
he would feed wheat bread. Even one who was not accustomed to eating meat, he would feed meat. Abraham's way of welcoming guests reflects God's style of hospitality. Abraham knew how to make a person feel like their presence in his home was a privilege. He ran after his guests and actively brought them into his home. He fed them the best food and understood that the best host doesn't provide his guests only with what he knows they need, but also with what they could need. Every guest is a king. When the question arises over who should get the bed and who should get the couch or air mattress, we need to be like Abraham and give up our beds. One of the reasons why treating your guests with extra care, perhaps beyond what they are accustomed to receiving in their own homes, is so important is that a guest is by default uncomfortable in your space. They can feel like they're imposing and can also be missing the familiar feeling of being in their own home. So they require better food and better accommodations in order to feel at ease, to make them not long to be at their own home instead of in yours. This need on the part of the guest to have their own space and to feel comfortable is emphasized in a subtle way in this week's Parsha by the Torah's emphasis on the fact that B'nai Israel camped in a particular formation, each under the sign of their own tribe's flag. Ish al-diglo ba'otot levet avotam, yachanu b'nei Israel, mineged saviv lo'hamo'ed yachanu. Each person will camp by the flag bearing the sign of their ancestral families. They will camp opposite and around the tent of meeting. The Midrash notices that the encampments are marked twice, by flags and by signs. Lo hayatzarich lomar, ela ish al-diglo yachanu b'nei Israel. the verse only needed to say each person of B'nai Israel should camp by his flag. And what does the verse teach by saying with signs? When the time came for our father Yaakov to pass from the world, he said to them, Yehuda Yisachar Zvulun will carry my coffin from the east. Ruvain Shimon and God will carry from the south. Dan Asher and Naphtali will carry from the north. Benjamin, Ephraim, and Menashe will carry from the west. 
And if you do so and carry my coffin as I commanded you, the Holy Blessed One will soon fix you flags by flags. And when Israel left Egypt, the Holy Blessed One said to Moshe, Moshe, configure them according to flags for me. Immediately, Moshe started to get distressed. He said, now there will be strife among the tribes. If I tell Yehuda to be fixed in the east, he will say to me, I only want to be in the south. And similarly for each and every tribe. The Holy Blessed One said to Moshe, Moshe, this is not a concern for you. They do not need you in this matter because they will recognize their dwelling place on their own. Why? Because the will of their father is in their hands, instructing them in how to fix the flags. They will surround the Mishkan in the same way that they surrounded his coffin. The Midrash explains the significance of the encampment structure through the lens of Moshe's anxiety around placing Bnei Israel within it. Unfortunately, Moshe's concerns are well-founded. Very little has happened to Bnei Israel in the desert that they have not complained about. It seems that they find fault with everything, the good and the bad, the significant and the minor. Yet somehow, when it comes to arranging the camp, the people are silent and compliant. God explains to Moshe that the people are uncharacteristically quiet here because the layout of the camp is not new information for them, which they could blame Moshe for bearing. However, God's explanation to Moshe that there won't be any complaints seems insufficient. B'nai Israel do not have a good track record when it comes to accepting things as they are, even if there is nothing new involved. So perhaps God's answer points to something else. B'nai Israel won't complain about the not new because what they are looking for is the not new. After having lived at the whim of the Egyptians, even living at the whim of God's pillar of cloud is destabilizing. In the ownerless wilderness, what B'nai Israel want most is something that feels inherited, ancestral, and theirs. God is telling Moshe, I am being sensitive to their needs by fixing them somewhere. I'm giving them a sense of permanence and a sense of belonging. This will feel familiar and they will be happy with it. What God acknowledges here about the difficult situation of a guest, we must also recognize and use to improve our own practice of haknasat or chim. When a person is a guest, even of the most generous host, there is an unsettled feeling. Saying, make yourself at home, is not enough to make people feel at home. Remembering this is the first step to making sure that we host others with sensitivity, not just with generosity. Another interesting element of this midrash is the way that the burial of Yaakov served as a kind of dress rehearsal for Bnei Israel, giving them a sense of how they would feel in this configuration. This hints to the second secret of good hosting, the walkthrough. Don't just try to mentally put yourself in the mindset of a guest. Actually physically experience what they will go through. Go to the bathroom as a stranger. Would you know where to find the toothpaste? The right towel? Don't put a guest on a bed or a couch that you haven't slept on first. Experiencing your home as the body of a stranger will help you really understand the needs of your guests. The third secret is that the service that Yaakov allowed his children to do for him by carrying his coffin is what prepared them to feel at home in the wilderness and eventually the Holy Land, allowing, though not forcing, 
guests to contribute and help out makes them feel more at home. Yes, it might make them feel less like guests, but that is precisely the goal. As important as it is to be a good host, it's also critical to be a good guest. And the secret to being a good guest? Realize that your presence obligates and inconveniences your host. Your host may be thrilled to have your company, may relish in the opportunity to do the mitzvah of haknasa orchim, but that does not absolve you of being mindful of the way that your presence might mean more shopping or laundry, a need to shift some scheduling around, a child giving up their room, everyone giving up some of their privacy. Rabbi Shimon ben Zoma makes the distinction between a good guest and a bad guest clear. Ben Zoma haya omer, oreach tov mahu omer, kama turcho tarach balabayit bishvili, kama basar hevi lafanai, kama yayin hevi lafanai, kama gluskaot hevi lafanai, v'chol masha tarach, lo tarach ala bishvili. Aval oreach ra, mahu omer, ma toreach tarach balabayit hazeh, Patachat achalti, chaticha achat achalti, kos echad shatiti. Kol torach shatarach balabayit zeh, lo tarach ela bashvil ishto uvanav. Ben Zoma would say, What does a good guest say? How many troubles did the master of the house undertake for me? How much meat did he bring before me? How much wine did he bring before me? How many loaves of bread did he bring before me? And all of this trouble was only for my sake. But what does a bad guest say? How many troubles did the master of the house undertake? I ate one piece of bread, ate one morsel of meat, drank one cup. All of the trouble that the master of the house undertook was only for the sake of his wife and children. The good guest doesn't have fewer needs. They don't drink, eat, or sleep less than the bad guest. The good guest is good because they are appreciative. They understand that a tremendous amount of effort goes into hospitality that appears effortless. The whole world is God's home, but human beings distinguish between wilderness and civilization, between our residence and another's. God was in the position to provide haknasat orchim in the wilderness where no human being could. His hospitality was all-encompassing. While God provided for our physical needs, he also acknowledged and provided for our emotional and psychological needs. God understood how important it is to have somewhere that feels fixed and provided a sense of belonging in a time of transition and homelessness. As we seek to emulate God's example, welcoming others into our homes, we need to empathize with the inherent discomfort that comes with being a guest and use that knowledge to guide us in being truly considerate. Wishing you a welcoming Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Debray Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.